All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey guys, Tim here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Or maybe you've got one that just doesn't seem to be growing the way you want it to. I'm going to be teaching an online course to share everything I've learned about growing Dropping the Gloves. In this course, we'll be covering how to start your own show and plan your content, monetize your podcast, build an audience, create a brand identity, leverage audience feedback, and analyze data in a way that's actionable. Here's the catch, though. You can find information about basically all of those things from a simple Google search. So I'm not going to share boring how-tos or best practices. Instead, I'll be sharing real stories from our experience with growing the show and the important lessons we learned along the way, mistakes we made, what we wish we did differently, and how we turned a fun side project into a real business. And most importantly, how you can apply these lessons to your own podcasts. It's a 90-minute class that you can attend either of two nights, October 23rd and November 14th. You can find a link to more information in the bios of any of our social media pages, but also feel free to message me if you have any questions. I hope to see you there. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. A nice September 22nd episode. Can you believe it's September 22nd, Tim? It's crazy. I can't. The season's right around the corner. Do you know what it, it today is? September 22nd? It's the it's first Friday. day of fall. Oh. Summer's nice. over, baby. It's the first day of fall. It's the My favorite season is the fall season. Temperatures are still a little warm. I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts today. Collared shirt, obviously. Wouldn't be caught dead in a t-shirt. But it's nice. The, the leaves turn. The tourists leave. I just love this time of year, Tim. You're more of a summer guy, I bet, right? No bugs. No, I'm a fall guy, but I miss what? fall in Traverse City. It's Why? Something- what did you like about fall in Traverse City? Ah, just like the leaves changing. I mean, it's different up there. I actually, it's funny. I had a buddy who, um, a coworker who just moved to Boston from Texas, from Amarillo, Texas. And he's like asking me questions and advice on where to go to see the leaves change color. Mm. I'm like, buddy, it's every tree. It's all of them, except for the pine trees, obviously. But like every tree on your street's going to change color. And he's like, really? I'm like, he's never seen it. I'm like, yeah. So you take that stuff for granted, you know? It's pretty neat. You want to see the leaves change and and he might, you could, you could send him to a forest, Tim. I think maybe that's what he's maybe wanting like go to a, a specific area, but drive up to the UP in Michigan, the upper peninsula, my, my old alma mater, Michigan tech university. I tell you what, some of the prettiest drives I've ever been on going up to copper Harbor, going up in that area. And you just drive with the Keweenaw. It's so beautiful up there. So check it out. Anyways, it's around the corner, but anyways, moving on. <laughs> I uh, mentioned last episode that I was going to get chickens and I, I posed a question to our listeners and I, one guy came through with, with the answer, Richard, very, very nice guy. He tweeted in his, his Twitter handles, Archer dairy. If you want to follow him, pretty interesting cat from the looks of it. But he said, get rid of the roosters. You don't need them. They're not nice to the hens. Just get rid of them. They're, they're not necessary. And he said, just get as many chickens as you want because some will get eaten in the woods. And he his words were prophetic, Tim. So two days ago, I went, or my wife, sorry, went and got four, four hens, two-year-old hens. So they're they're mature, they're aged, they're laying. 
but we get them home. I went and got a chicken coop, luckily, lucked out and found one. I bought one from someone right down the road. Set the chicken coop up, have the original car that the roosters are sleeping in. So we have two sleeping arrangements for these birds. First night, first night, I take the kids in. Uh, we do dinner. We do our, do our nightly prayers. We do the bedtime routine. I put them to bed. I go out to to put the chickens and roosters away. Three of the hens are gone. Of the four we got, three are gone. I'm like, unbelievable. We've had them for like five hours and they're already gone. I heard one tapping its claw. My, my kids set up like a little house they built and it was tapping its claw in one of their seats, a wood stump. So I grabbed that one, put it away. Two were gone, completely gone. Didn't know where they were. Went to bed. I'm like, those those chickens are dead. I searched around a little bit. I got my lantern and walked around my property. But we have 30 acres. Like, which direction do you look, Tim? I don't know. I felt bad. The kids were upset. But it was a good life lesson. It's like, don't get too attached to things. You know, it's they're just an animal. So we, um, is that a good life lesson? I don't know. For a four-year-old? I don't know. <laughs> it was the 11-year-old. It was the 11 and the 9-year-old's birds that got lost, thankfully. Because, they're you know, they can maybe handle it. So we went to bed. The birds were gone. I came back. The kids woke up in the morning. I left early. Um, they woke up and the birds were sitting there. Fine as can be by the gate saying, you know, let me in. We want some food. They spent all night outside. It was amazing. So we, the birds are back. Then they promptly go into the uh, the coop and they lay an egg right away. So we got two eggs already. The hens are doing good. They're messy birds poop everywhere it's disgusting they're roosters i don't know if they pooped but these hens are just animals literally animals the water dish the roosters kept it nice and clean the hens throw dirt in there they throw all kinds of junk in there so we're constantly now we got to get hanging water things because they destroy the uh, water and they're climbing up on top of the coop where the roosters would just kind of walk around. The hens are flying up. I got to get their wings clipped. I don't know what I have to do. Cause they're flying everywhere. They fly right over the, the fence, Tim, which is like four feet high. So, okay. So you, you kept the roosters. Yeah. Okay. What about the, uh, those two eggs who ate the first eggs? Is that like a, was that a moment? We haven't eaten them yet. We got the eggs yesterday. So I'll cook them up tomorrow. Probably. And I'll give them to my daughter. I make an egg in a hole. That's what I'll make. Is that your sandwich? Your your signature sandwich you talked about? Is it? Do you not remember? Yeah, I mayonnaise a piece of bread both sides. Light coating of mayonnaise. I take a, a champagne flute. I jam a hole in the top of the bread, right in the middle. I take the hole out. I put the bread on a pan, medium to high heat, mostly medium. I crack the egg in the middle of the hole. And then it sticks to the bread and you flip it. And the best part is the little hole you cut, you put that in the pan as well. And you toast that up. A little salt and pepper to finish is delicious. All my kids are on board with it, except for one. Gabriella doesn't like doesn't like eggs. I don't know why. But anyways, moving on. Last show, we did the central preview. Tim wants to make sure everybody knows where we think everyone's going to finish. And we didn't finish the show by telling everybody where we thought the teams will finish. And this is very important, right, Tim? People know where what we think that the standings will be. Uh, sigh. Okay, fine. Uh, the central standings, just because we didn't, we covered it. Does it make it more dramatic when you say the word sigh that you're annoyed? Sigh. Sigh. Um, okay, I'll just go through mine quickly and then we'll move on to the, the topic of the day. So my central standings were Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, Nashville, Winnipeg, St. Louis, Arizona, Chicago. Okay, and we were very similar. I have uh, Dallas first, Colorado, Winnipeg, Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis, Arizona, Chicago. Identical bottom three, different top three. I got Winnipeg doing a little better. I got Minnesota completely missing the playoffs. You have Minnesota coming third, making the playoffs. There you go. There you go. This is Winnipeg's worst nightmare, by the way, if this happens. If they're If they're third place in the Central. Worst case scenario for them is to make the playoffs. Isn't that funny? They're going to get counter, bounced. It's in the counterintuitive. First yeah, it's like you you want to succeed, but it hinders your future. That's the weird thing about sports. It benefits you to lose, and we're we're going to dig into that with a Pacific team 
in a, in a couple minutes because it will benefit them to lose much like the Chicago Blackhawks benefited last year from losing. They have the best player in the world, potentially if they would have, you know, won a few games and not traded everybody, where would they be? They would be in a rebuild Tim for the next 10 years, but now their, their rebuild has been fast forwarded seven years because they have Connor Bedard. It's amazing how life works like that. You want to win. You want to win. You want to win. The best thing for you to do is to lose. And the Winnipeg Jets are going to feel that this year. Yeah, the guys want to win, but that's going to hurt you for three to five years. If you lose and you stink, there's some pretty good players coming to the U.S. this year that will jumpstart your rebuild. So that's just interesting. I'm a deep thinker. I think about things a lot. You're very surface. So you're like, what What do we do? Let's win. Let's win. What's the difference between us? You Are you talking I mean? to me? Are you talking to me? You're the You're only one who's here. Yeah. You're just a right now guy. I'm a planner in the future. Uh, you know what I mean? It. What can you stop do for it. me now? No, no. All right. Digging into the Pacific, my punching bag for the last three to four years. I think I'm going to ease up on them. They have the defending Stanley Cup champions. They have a lot of teams that are coming into their own. They have a lot of teams that are really a, a rudderless boat, Tim. They don't know where they're going or where they stand. They're just kind of floating around in the middle of the ocean. But my new punching bag this year will be the Central Division. I think the Central Division is garbage. I really, really do. Last Yesterday's show, two, the show two days ago was hard to do because Chicago's going to be bad. Arizona's Arizona. St. Louis is trending down. Minnesota's trending down. Winnipeg's trending down. Nashville is a huge question mark. They traded everybody good last year, so they should theoretically be worse this year. Colorado has injury issues. The only team I'm excited about in that division is Dallas. So moving on, the Pacific. I'm going to be very nice to you this year. It's going to be all rainbows and butterflies, right, Tim? That's it. Optimistic. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. There's not a lot of middle ground in this division. There's a few contenders and a few teams that are going to lose like 50 games and nothing in between. So, Tim, tell me more. Let's start with the Stanley Cup champs, the Vegas Golden Knights. The big question on everybody's lips, can they repeat? Can they, Tim? That's really my only question. This is basically the same roster that came back last year. And so you want to see like... I mean, on a personal level, can Jack Eichel go get 100 points? You know, like that's something I'm curious to see. Um, who's going to be the guy between the pipes? They have two really good goalies under contract for two more years each. So um, good team. They'll come right back. It's really just, can they do it again? That's my only question for this for this group. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're a very solid team. They're going to get a whole get a whole season out of Barbashev. I think he was a good addition. Like I said, he will be the most impactful addition at the trade deadline. And I was right. I nailed it. I'm a very smart human being. Their defense, nothing's changed on the back end. They're still studs. I think the main issue is on the, you know, the goaltending front. Can Aiden Hill be the guy? Do you, do you think he has any issues being the starter full time for the Vegas Golden Knights, Tim? Or did he kind of answer all those questions in the playoffs last year when he took over from Logan Thompson? I don't know, because there's been trade rumors around Logan Thompson, including on this show. Um, so probably, but Aiden Hill is still, I mean, you can't take anything away from a guy that just won a cup, but he's still like, he's played a hundred games in the NHL and really only 27 games last year, plus the playoffs. And so how good is he really? We'll see, but I think he's good. So I think, I think it's playoffs. Like we don't have to talk about this team until the playoffs. And then how do they do against LA or Edmonton, whoever they face in the first round is really the question. Yeah, I agree. I think they will have a harder time this year than they did last year. They kind of flew under the radar. Everybody was talking about the drama going up in Calgary, Edmonton. They were everybody's favorite team to watch because of obviously McDavid and Dreinsidel. This team flew under the radar for the first team in the Pacific. And I think they were first in the Western Conference. So they're going to have a target on their back. Teams are going to be ready to play this team. I think they will struggle. But like you said, it's going to wait till the playoffs. This This team is made for the playoffs. They're strong down the middle. Their defense is studs. They have good goaltending. They have stars sprinkled throughout their lineup. So yes, the Vegas Golden Knights, nothing to worry about. They're going to glide through the, the regular season. This this is the team to beat in the Western Conference, in my eyes. All right, moving on. Team right behind them. Edmonton Oilers. Maybe, 
maybe took a couple steps forward last year, maybe a couple steps back, made some minor changes this offseason, but really the same team coming back from last year. Where do you see the Edmonton Oilers this year, Tim? Well, I think their defense is probably the best it's been since they've added Ekholm. So I like their back end. Their their offense is still very top heavy, even with some of the moves they made over the past couple of years. They're still relying on McDavid and Drysaddle for like half their goals. I like Hyman. I like Evander. Obviously, Nuge had 103 points last year, the highest of his career by far. Um, the thing with them is is even strength production. It's like how many points how many games can they win without relying on their power play? Cause that's how Vegas beat them in the playoffs last year. And again, this is a team we don't really have to worry about until the playoffs, until whoever they face in the first round, second round, third round, it's cup or bust for Edmonton. And so um, McDavid last week was saying he basically thinks they have the best team in the league. And I know wow. a lot of guys say that, but he's like, I look around the league. I look at our roster. I honestly think we're the best team in the league. So that's their expectation. And it's going to come down to even strength and, and, not having to rely on a couple of guys and getting the power play advantage in order to find the back of the net. It's a very bold thing to say because it's the same team as last year. You know, you lose a couple of tertiary pieces like Yamamoto and you bring in a couple, you know, minor pieces like Lane Peterson and this and that, but it, it's the same group of guys. It's McDavid, it's dry side all time and it's Kane and it's, it's the Nuge and it's nurse at home, Bouchard CC on the back end. I, I, I don't think they're the best team in the NHL. I think they're one of the top five, or six. I, I just don't have faith in this team. I really don't. I I don't know. There's just something about it. You, you rely on those two, top two guys for years and years and years. You have a career season out of the Nuge. I don't think he's going to repeat those numbers. Like he, he had a breakout season. And you still don't, you know, win the cup. You still don't go to the Stanley Cup finals. You still fall short. I just think you got the best out of those guys last year. Like, what else more can they do? I think the key to this season is Jack Campbell. If they want to win the Stanley Cup, if they want to have any type of success in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which they have, you know, they've won series. They progressed into the Western Conference Finals, I think, last year, right, Tim? So if if they want to get past that, you need Jack Campbell. I know Stuart Skinner was a great story. Young guy took over the net from Campbell, played great. You need Campbell to be your guy. You need him to step up and be a $5 million goalie and win you some games and steal you some games and, and to make some big saves. So he's the kind of pivotal point for this team. They have a good roster. The third and fourth lines are always questioned. Well, can they produce, can they score a goal every few games to kind of take the load off McDavid? I don't even think they need that. They have two lines who can consistently score. Those third and fourth lines just have to kind of exist. Can Jack Campbell or Stuart Skinner be a good goaltender? I think that's the crutch to this team. We'll see. I don't mind their defense. I don't think Nurse or nah, it's Cody Cece sucks, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time I see his name, I'm just like, why is he on the first deep pairing with Darnell Nurse? Why does he make $3.25 million? <laughs> Who'd you rather have, Cece or Hall? Justin oh, Hall. Oh, man. <laughs> It's like neither. I would rather just dress five defensemen, I think. Is that okay to say? (laughs) I don't know. They got a couple guys on the right side who, like, even Vinny DeHarnay, like, he's a big dude, but for a first-round draft pick, he's been very underwhelming. So they got a great left side. Nurse at Coleman Kulak, I like all three of those guys. So, I don't know. Can Bouchard take that next step? He kind of had an underwhelming season last year. I thought he was going to really step into that role as a quarterback power play get the offensive zone face up time. And he just, he did okay, Tim. He didn't really take off like I thought he would. So we'll see. There's a lot of questions here for this Edmonton Oilers team, but I think it's, it starts from the net. You know what you're going to get out of the first two lines. They've been doing it forever. It's the defense. It's the goaltenders. If those, that group can step up and have a really solid season. Then yeah, I think it is, you know, the cup, but if they can't, if they stay status quo, they'll be top of the pack and they'll lose in the third round. They're not as good as Vegas right now. And they did nothing. Vegas didn't change. Edmonton didn't change. So why do you think the results will change? Right? Yeah. Well, you you said it. This is the group. They don't have any cap room. This is the team they're going to move forward with. And barring any major injuries or changes, this is going to be the group in the playoffs too. The other thing I want to mention, and I I think I agree Campbell is going to be important because Stuart Skinner, as good as he was in the regular season, played 50 games, put up good numbers. 
His save percentage was 0.883 in the playoffs. Goals against was 3.68, almost four in 12 games. Where Campbell played four games, it was very good. And I, I know they kind of, neither of them played all those games were complete games, but it's just, you need, you need better from your goaltenders. And they're kind of stuck with these two. So, well, yeah, you, no one's going to take Campbell's contract on. So, yes, you need to get some output from the goaltending position. All right, moving on. The Los Angeles Kings. A team last year that had a lot of potential, and I feel like they realized some of that potential. They've had a great season for them. They went into this, you know, last year, 2022, 23, hoping some guys would progress. What's going to happen? And I think at the end of the year, they had a great year. You can look back on that year and say, you know what? We had a good season. Now what? They go out, they make a big trade and get Pierre-Luc Dubois. He comes in and he solidifies that center position. They got Kopitar, they got Deneau, and they got Pierre-Luc Dubois. Arguably the best, you know, down the middle top three in the NHL. What do they need to do, Tim, to take that next step? Last year, they finished third in the Pacific. They got 100 points. What do we need to do to get them in the same conversation as Edmonton and Vegas? Well, the short answer is to beat those teams, obviously. And it's tough because I see this, the, the Kings on the list of a lot of people as like top three top five like underrated team this is a legit cup contender that no one's taken seriously and i don't see it I, I really like this team i like the players i love obviously adding dubois gives them just maybe the best center depth in the league right now with kopitar Deneau, and dubois is going to create a lot of matchup nightmares for other teams but i just don't know like you traded away two good young um scoring winner wingers last year and how long can you rely on Drew Doughty to log 25 minutes a game? You know, like I like Gavrikov, I like Michael Anderson, but I don't know. I, I don't see this team. Like when it comes down to it again, this is a playoff team, but who's going to, are they going to beat Dallas or not Dallas uh, Vegas? Are they going to beat Edmonton? Maybe Edmonton. They're a tough matchup for Edmonton just because of the way they play and the way their roster is structured. But it's hard to me to see this team getting the cup finals or even probably the third round. Yeah, you bring in Cam Talbot. I think he'll be a good veteran influence on Phoenix Copley in the back end. They'll be a good one-two tandem. You got two Michigan Tech alumni on this team. I think that's what they have going for them. Philip, like I mentioned, Phoenix Copley and Matt Waugh, Matt Roy on the back end. He's a good uh, good defenseman. But the strength here is their forward group, Tim. This is, this is very contrary to a lot of teams who have a good depth defensive group. It seems Edmonton and LA rely on their forwards. They have defensive responsible forwards. They got scoring on the wings and Adrian Kempe. They are just really, really balanced top to bottom. You bring in Trevor Lewis. He left. He came back. He's like a legend in LA where their Stanley cup runs. He was so important for them. I think much like the New York Rangers, the LA Kings season hinges on Quinton Byfield. He is their first rounder from a few years back, a high end. I think he was number three overall, Tim. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe number two. He was a high end lottery draft pick. He has had a slow progression in the NHL. He's played 99 games. He's shown flashes. He's only 21 years old, so he's still relatively young. But he needs to take a step forward this year. He's going to start the season with Kopitar and Kempe. If he can solidify that first line left wing position, this team will be, be very dangerous because you already got Pierre-Luc Dubois, you got Kaliev, and you got Fiala on the left wing for the second line. Then you have that very strong third line of Deneau, Arvidsson, and more. That's a pretty good top nine, but it all hinges on Byfield. Can he take that next step? He's six foot five. He's 220 pounds. He's got sick hands. He can do it all. You got to put it all together, man. Like, this is it. This is your season. Much like Lafreniere and Kako, we said that about them last year, and they both failed. Can Byfield be that guy? I don't know. I think that's the question they have to answer this season. And if he can't, you have to move on. Your team is too good to just go, oh, you know, we'll, we'll wait till next year with Byfield. You have to trade him. There's already been links to maybe him kicking the tires with the Buffalo Sabres, kicking the tires with some teams out east, getting rid of them and getting some prospects back or some NHL-ready players. But he's the guy, Tim. Is there anybody else on this roster you think could be as critical to the team as Byfield? Well, I'm glad you said him because we've been so critical of, of Kako and Lafreniere, like you said, and, and he's squeaked by our uh, criticism. So I, you need a big season from him. Other than that, like, I feel like it's the usual suspects. It's Kopitar. You know what you're going to get out of him. You know what you're going to get out of like Fiala. I think it's such an underrated goal scorer in this league right now. Same with Kempe and, and Arvidsson. Like those are 
really good players. I, I think I'm talking myself into liking them more than I thought I did at the beginning of this conversation. I do like this team a lot. Um, I don't know. It's just going to, like I said, I feel like a, a, a broken record, but it's just going to be the playoffs. This team again is, is how do you, how do you compete against Edmonton or Vegas in the playoffs? It's those three teams for me. Yeah, they could use a little more depth on the back end. I feel like they're they're five, six, Bjorn Fort. Bjorn Foot and Clark are not they're not scaring anybody. They have no offensive upside. They're really not that physically gifted. So they could use another, you know, big body in the back end or the guy who can move the puck, take the onus off of an Anderson or a Gavrikov or a Dowdy, because those guys they can't do it all. So moving on. I like LA. I like I like where they're headed. I like where they're situated. They need to take another step forward this year. A team on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, we, we've done the three good teams in the Pacific, and I think it's downhill from here where there's a lot of question marks. Oh, there's one more team that are good. We'll, we'll save the crack until the end. But let's talk about the Vancouver Canucks. It's it's the same old story with this team, except this year. I think there's no. There's no smoke and mirrors. Last year, there was still hope, right? We, we still had hope that this team was going to be competitive this year. They're going to stink. Can we just put a stamp on it and say, we're not going to be be fooled by you anymore. You're a bad hockey team. You have no leadership. The room is a mess. And let's just move on. There's a lot of talent there. Not a lot of character. There's a lot of characters. (laughs) Not a lot of character. And I'm sorry to say that friend of the show, JT Miller, this team doesn't work. It doesn't work the way it's set up. They get rid of OEL. That was good. You lose that contract. You, rumors are swirling that Tyler Myers will be gone soon. But what what do we have to expect? They traded their captain last year in Bo Horvat. What good can we expect from this team, Tim? I was I was looking at their roster last night, and I'm I was actually surprised at how bad it was because I, I I've always had a soft spot for the Canucks, and I like this team. I love Quinn Hughes, as you know. I love oh Patterson. my gosh, it's just but, embarrassing the amount of time that guy gets. It's a Hughes this, Hughes that. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I don't know Luke yet, but he'll he'll join our family <laughs> soon. Um, I but Pedersen, so <laughs> they're just so they're so top heavy, but their top isn't strong enough to be a top heavy team. That's, that's, that's like the summary of it. Like I think Pedersen's in, in line for a monster season. He's 24 years old entering a contract year. I don't think he said it outright, but there's smoke in the water that he doesn't want to obviously stay in Vancouver. He wants to go make his money and play some competitive hockey. And so you're left that after that with JT Miller, Besser has been Besser's another, he's not quite the Galchenyuk effect, but like you think of him as like a good goal scorer and he's, and he's really not, he's Okay. Kuzmenko had a monster year last year, 40 goals. Like he's a stud. Connor Garland hasn't been the same in a few years. Bovillier never really developed the way that he thought he was when he came up with the Islanders. Even um, who was it that, that came up a few years ago with uh, when we asked JT Miller about his rookie season? Was that Go, God Bloken or something? Goldoken. Pod Colson. Pod Colson. Yeah. 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 Even him, he isn't taking any real steps forward. So, and he's down in the minors right now. So, He's at training camp. So we'll see. We'll see what this team does, but there's really not a whole lot to be excited about. Listen, this team stinks top to bottom. I'm telling you right now, they they are one of the very few teams that to date is over the salary cap. They have to shed some cap or put some on a long-term injury reserve. They stink, Tim. Thatcher Demko was bad last year. Their defense is bloated contracts top to bottom. I don't know what else to say. Connor Garland is overpaid. Brock Besser is overpaid. JT Miller is overpaid. Pedersen is the only shining star in this team, and he's going to be gone next year. Quinn, Quinn's a star. He had like 150 points last year. Okay. Quinn Hughes is a good defenseman. I- I'll give you that. <laughs> Thank you I so like much him. for giving me that. Yeah, he he okay. he's a, a solid player. Other than that, I, I don't know what to make of this team. They did. They will be in the mix. They'll be in the mix. But expect them to lose 12 of their first 12 games. And then, you know, the coach will get fired. And then they'll win like 12 of their next 20. And they'll be in mix. That, that's how it's been going for the Vancouver Canucks for the last five years. Yeah. It's Slow so start. And then they'll win 
just enough in the end to make them super competitive and get you excited and lose four out of the last six and miss the playoffs by five points. And that'll be it. Get a garbage draft pick in like the 15 to 20 range and do nothing for their franchise. I don't know. I hope they do good. That this sushi in Vancouver is top notch, you know? (laughs) So it's hard to see a team struggle when you have that, like the, the fish is incredible. It's right, literally right off the boat on your plate. Talk about farm to table. It's like from the hook to your plate like that. It's unbelievable. It's, it's really, really fun. Moving from one Canadian team. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tim. I just, there is a, there is a bright spot here for the Vancouver Canucks fans. You have a lot of expiring contracts. Like Patterson's probably going to leave you and that stinks, but you're finally getting Tyler Myers, $6 million off the books after the season. Bovillier's 4.1s coming off the books. Teddy Bluger, 1.9 coming off the books. Uh, Ian Cole, $3 million expiring contract. Ronick, 4.4 expiring contract. You basically have only 40 million uh, committed next year and lots of options. So there's there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of chance to have a clean slate and and start uh, probably what's going to be a rebuild. So Well, you're not going to let Ronick go. You just traded the first round for him last year in one of the strangest trades um, ever done in the NHL. Yeah. For some reason, the, the Canucks really wanted Philip Ronick and they gave up a first rounder and a second rounder. To get him. So very Steve Eiserman has been bad player acquisitions, but he nailed that trade, getting getting rid of Ronick for a first and second rounder. But you know, it, there's there are they have some good players. Like Kuzmenko is good, Makiev is good. There are some bright spots. The interesting thing will be Pedersen. He's an RFA. What do you do? If you're the general manager, if you're Patrick Alvin, Pedersen has made it widely known he doesn't want to come back. how does that negotiation go? Like, right, they're going to they're gonna throw 9 to $10 million at him. They're going to have some money to spend, like you mentioned, with all the expiring contracts. I don't know. Something has to, to happen with that situation. I've said it for years. I don't want this guy on my team. I know he's a skilled guy. No backbone whatsoever. Not a team based guy. On, that's based on... His comments that he made two years ago, when they tried to re-up him, he said, well, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And he made some like really just selfish comments. I can't remember exactly what they were. And you remember him too, Tim. I remember him saying something. I don't remember what he said. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> Typical. You're like my wife. She's got a, her memory is like an elephant. Unless it's something that might hinder her arguments. I don't remember. I'm like, you can remember what we had for dinner 12 years ago. But you can't remember something you said last week. There you go. Pedersen had 102 points last year. He had a terrific year. Moving on to another team in Canada that's just not trending in the right direction, the Calgary Flames. This time last year, we were all applauding Brad Treviling. A tough situation going into the offseason. What do we do with Kachuk? What do we do with Gaudreau? How do we remedy this situation? He nailed it. Brought in some high-end talent. He brought in Kadri. He brought in Huberdo. He really revamped the offense. Got a couple draft picks to boost. Mackenzie Weger. Fast forward, it was a terrible year. Huberdo had the worst point per point drop in NHL history. These guys were terrible. What happens this year now, Tim? We've had another year. This team lost Kachuk, Goudreau, to Foley left. The stars aren't happy now. Black, Backlund, Lindholm, Hannafin, they're all quietly putting feelers out to the GM and to the league that they don't want to be there. There's no interest. Huberto has signed up for the next eight years making a gazillion dollars. How worse can it get? I don't know that there's been a team that's had a more disappointing or frustrating past, I don't know, what do you call it, 15 months than the Calgary Flames, starting with losing to the Oilers in the playoffs in that battle of Alberta, and then you lose Kachuk, you lose Gaudreau, you lose Toffoli, even Lucic, and then, like you said, like all these other guys are basically not committing to extending and have even said as much as wanting to explore the open market. And you you sign a new guy, and Huberdeau has the biggest drop-off in points in NHL history. Uyghur does very little. Kadri does very little. Here's the good news. If guys, on paper, they have a pretty solid roster. Like, if guys play the way that they're capable of, I mean, you should be able to win some games. You're obviously not a cup contender or anything, but you're kind of stuck in that no man's land, right? You're sort of like not good enough to compete, not bad enough to tank. And so you'll probably miss the playoffs by a few points or maybe just barely squeak in. You won't win any series or anything. And you also won't get a high draft pick. 
They're stuck in they're stuck in the middle. So what do you do? Is it possible that Huberdeau puts up and gets back to hundred plus points and Kadri puts up seventy-five and Uyghur puts up fifty again and all of a sudden these guys are Markstrom's a Vezina candidate? Is it is there any chance that all these things fall back into place for them? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think they are trending downwards. The good thing is Craig Conroy takes over. He's a pretty smart guy from what I've heard. And this team is very movable. This team does have some very valuable players that other teams will want. Mangiapani, Backlund, Coleman, Lindholm, even a Kadri. Other teams will see those contracts and those guys and say, you know what? We'll kick the can on these guys. We'll make a trade with you. They have lots of very star, not star with it. I throw that word around maybe loosely a little bit. They have good NHL caliber defensemen. I mentioned Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, Oosterly, Gilbert. All of these guys are quality NHL defensemen. They're all in their last year of their contracts. So Connery is going to have the ability to, to turn this team over. I don't mind Huberto. I think he's overpaid, but I think he's a good player. You put him on the wing. He needs to have some goal scorers around him. I don't think this team has a natural goal scorer among the group. There's not one guy that strikes fear in me that's going to put up 40 to 50 goals if I you know, put him in a spot and let him shoot, just like Huberto had in Florida. He had some guys who could put the puck in the net. That's why he was successful. Calgary doesn't have that guy. Kadri's not a goal scorer. Maggiapani, Backlund, Lindholm. These guys aren't goal scorers. They're all dishers. Nobody can put the puck in the net. So Conroy will have the opportunity this year to remake this team. I think you trade Backlund. I think you trade Lindholm, even though he's on arguably the best contract in the NHL. Very similar to Marchand, where the guy makes 4.85, Tim. He's made 4.85 for the last five years, and he consistently puts up a point per game pace. Like he's a good player. So I don't know. Change is in the air for the Calgary Flames. And I think it's a good thing. I think you move on from a lot of those guys. I think Backstrom or Markstrom, excuse me, will revert back to the goaltender that we saw two years ago, who led the league in shutouts, who was just unstoppable. I don't think he gets back to that level. I don't think he can be bad, like bad two years in a row. Like it, it was a historically bad season for them. They had a historically bad season with shooting percentage. Nobody was firing on their career rates, so maybe they score a few more goals. They had a lot of one-goal loss games. I think Calgary is competitive this year, but I do think it's time to kind of turn the page. Trevealing tried to milk one more year out of this group. When they lost Kachuk and Gaudreau, they brought in some big pieces in Huberto and Kadri. I think it's time to move on. I think you have to just take the next step, invest in the young guys, the Coronados, the Peltiers, the young guys on your roster, give them a little more playing time. But yeah, I just, I just don't think they bring in Igor Shrangovich. He's supposedly a high end right winger. He didn't really pan out with the devils. He couldn't find playing time behind, behind their first two lines. So he could potentially be that goal scorer that they're looking for. But I think you'll see a lot of trades coming from the Calgary Flames. It's three to four months into this season. So they have flexibility, much like which a lot of GMs would like. We're going to talk about a few teams here coming up that don't have that flexibility because they look at their roster and nobody wants their players. Let's talk about the San Jose Sharks. That's who I'm talking about. Terrible season last year. Absolutely garbage. Mike Greer moved some pieces, moved the prize piece in Eric Carlson this offseason, got a moderate return from him. Now what for the San Jose Sharks? What do you do now? You still have a lot of contracts that are very undesirable. You still are at the bottom of the league. You didn't bring in really any more talent. You brought in some depth players. You get Hoffman. You get Grandland. You bring in Duclair. What now, Tim, with this team? You're coming off the worst season in franchise history. You still have those Albatross contracts with Vlasic. Not Albatross, but they're just hard to move. Mark Edward Vlasic is Mark on. on. Edward? Edward. Edward, I got it right the first time. You're not moving that contract. Logan Couture, I don't think you're moving that contract. Hurdle's contract has too much term on it. What do you do? What do you do with this team? We're going to talk to Doug Wilson maybe next week. We'll ask him about what the San Jose Sharks need to do. But in your eyes, Tim, you're a smart cat. How do you make this work? You don't. <laughs> I mean, it, not anytime soon. It's like they have, they're just not a contending team, really. And I, and I like the players they brought in. I like Duclair. I like Hoffman. I like Granlin. They'll, they'll put up, you know, 40, 50 points each. And I think Hurdle and Couture, I mean, Hurdle for sure is one of the, the best, um, I don't know, all around players in the league, probably when he's, when he's firing on all cylinders. Who's your 1D right now? 
Is it Ferraro? I mean, they don't really have one. Who's lugging? Who's who's going to log the most minutes on this team? It's yeah. Be when Ferraro, you look at the back end, you, you think it's going to be Ferraro. They have a terrible defensive group, Tim. They bring in Jan Ruda. He's won a couple Stanley Cups. He might be the guy they look to, but Vlasic isn't that guy anymore. He doesn't really have a voice in the locker room. He's very quiet. So it, it's it's a depressing group. Ferraro didn't really pan out as the heir apparent to Brent Burns. He was supposed to be that puck moving, fleet footed defenseman. He's not. He led the team in block shots. He spends most of his time in the defensive zone. That is a product of them just having a bad team. So I, I hate to say it. It's going to be another bad year for the Chicago or for the San Jose Sharks. And to contrast them to the Calgary Flames, San Jose has a lot of UFAs on the books. But when I look at the guys compared to the guys in Calgary, do I really want a Mike Hoffman if I'm another team? Do I really want an Anthony Duclair who's got an injury history? Luke Kunin, Barabinov, Lindholm? These types of players on the back end, they're not as sexy as the guys in Calgary. And I'll just say it right out. So I think Conroy has more flexibility there to make some moves, to get some draft picks, to get some prospects, to strengthen this team moving forward. Whereas San Jose, it's just, it's depressing. It really is. Hurdle is a good player. Couture is a good player. No one's going to want them on their team when they make 8.1375 for the next eight years. GMs don't want to take that type of contract for a player who's turning 30. And I think we've seen the best out of Thomas Hurdle. I really do. Like, he's a very good player. I think he's a great guy. But I don't think all of a sudden he's going to have a, an epiphany and score 20 more points and turn him into a 100-point you know, getter, where he's making 8.1375 to And his high, highest point total in a season, highest point total for a Hurdle is 74. That was five years ago. So for a guy making eight plus million, you would expect him to be a point per game guy, right? He had 63 last year. He had 64 the year before. He had 43 before that. He had 36 before that. I don't know. I don't know. I love the guy, but he's overpaid. I think the Sharks are in a tough position. And much like we talked about the Nashville Predators, much like we talked about with other teams, the worst thing that's going to happen to this team is if they compete. If they have a good start to the season, all of a sudden they're not going to get a lottery pick. But I don't think that'll happen. I think they're going to be a garbage team and they will get a lottery pick. If the San Jose Sharks will be a bad team this year. They're just their five on five scoring is not there. Last year, Carlson had 101 points. They still ranked 25th, I think, in five on five scoring. They're a bad team. They, like they had a pretty good power play. Even strength, they were really, really bad. They had no offensive upside at all. All right, moving on. We'll stay in California. The Anaheim Ducks. Not Mighty Ducks. Get a new coach. What else? I don't know. What, what, what's good about the Ducks, Tim? Well, there's a lot to like here. Uh, it's more toward the future. And eventually we're going to talk about, you know, like you've got to get out of, of future mode and into the now mode at some point. But you still got a really, really young core, including some guys that haven't even played over here yet. So you have Zegris, obviously, who we should talk about because he hasn't even gotten a contract for this coming year yet. Um, he's still not signed, including like this coming season. He doesn't have a contract, but assuming you sign him, you have Mason McTavish, you got Drysdale, you have Leo Carlson, who you just took uh, with a lottery pick. So these guys are all studs and there's a bright future there. I think for Anaheim, I don't think they're in like some, like some of the other teams that are, are at the bottom with, with not as good a future. Like Anaheim is definitely building something pretty cool here. Mm-hmm. Um, Isaac Lundstrom. The question people are saying is in line for a massive breakout season. And so seeing what you get out of him. Are you serious? Are you just pulling my leg? (laughs) Um, I don't know. I like what they did in the offseason, too, with not just the draft picks, but the defensemen they added. Labushkin and Gudis are two of the, I don't know, they log a lot of minutes. They hit pretty hard. They can play a tough game. And I think they probably give the, um, the kids on the team a little bit extra space. So. I like this team. They're not they're not a contender yet. I I'm really excited to see what which of this group takes a strong step forward. Can Zegers or McTavish? I think McTavish is who I kind of have circled on my list to see what he can do, but it's all it's all just a guessing game at this point. Yeah, they have, you know, they have some decent pieces. I think Pat Verbeek has done a good job of not overextending himself and offering contracts that really players are trying to live up to. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, he's more of a, what have you done for me lately type of guy. And I think that just shows with the Trevor, Trevor Zegris contract negotiations. Rumors are he's offering Zegris three to $4 million, Tim. 
that's crazy to me that a GM would have the chutzpah to do that to a 22 year old guy, your first line center, three to $4 million. I love it. He's not playing the games that, you know, the G- Minnesota GM did for Matt Boldy, the Ottawa senators GM did for his whole team. He's saying, all right, I'll give you a bridge. We'll see what you can do. We'll give you a, a three-year deal for 4 million bucks. You know, you've only, you put up 23 goals the last two years. That's the going rate for a 23 goal scorer. So we'll see how it goes. Trevor Zegers is not happy. He, he he wants $8 million. He wants to be paid like the other guys in his draft class who are getting these huge deals. Zegers was drafted ninth overall. Other guys in his class are just getting bonkers amounts of money. Jack Hughes, Hughes, Bowen Byram, Mo Sider, Dylan Cousins. Those guys have all signed big extensions. And Zegers is sitting there going, hey, what, what about me? I'm I'm first line center. He took the uh, the ducks out of his Instagram profile picture. <gasps> oh, you know when kids do that. They're that, throwing shade, as they say. In today's world, that's a massive message. I'm taking you off my profile. That's no, it, it really is. Especially, I know. He's like 23. Like, yeah, it really is. I'm not being sarcastic. That's like a shot across the bow. That's like, I don't, I don't want to be associated with you anymore because social media is their life. You play hockey and you jump on your, your Twitter page. You see what's dropping the gloves doing and you see what else everybody else is doing. So I don't know. And the, the same thing's going on with Jamie Drysdale, their prize stud defenseman. He is not signed for this season. So Pat for Beak has some work to do. He needs to get these two guys under contract and they still will have a good eight to $10 million in salary cap space to, to spend. So the Anaheim Ducks are in a good position, much like the Detroit Red Wings were in a good position a couple of years ago. He can't lose sight of the end goal. They have a stud goaltender in John Gibson. They had some good pieces up front. They have a lot of good young players like you touched on, Tim. This Leo Carlson will be good. Mason McTavish is really, really good. You got Jamie Drysdale, like I just mentioned. Don't blow it. Just stay the course. You're still three years out from being a really, really, really good team, like a Stanley Cup contender. You get rid of Enrique. You get rid of Silverberg. You get rid of those contracts, which frees up about $11 million. And then you bring in another stud. You bring in a good guy who's 27, 28 years old. You give him five, six years at $8 million. All of a sudden, you bring in a Willie Nylander to, the, Willie Nylander to this team, you're looking pretty good. You go out, you get a Mark Shifley, sign him for $7 bucks. Now you're Stanley Cup contenders, baby. Now we're talking. Pat Fabique is a smart guy. I don't think he'll make a mistake here, but I like the Anaheim Ducks. They'll be a good team this year. Don't get too good. Where you at the deadline, you're reaching, thinking you're a Stanley Cup contender. You're not there yet, baby. Pump the brakes. You're still good. You're good, but you're not a cup contender just yet. All right, moving on. Seattle Kraken, Tim. You love this team. This is the one of the few teams that you like that doesn't have a Hughes brother on the team. Can they repeat what they did last year when they surprised everybody? Well, they surprised me maybe most of all. I didn't take them seriously at all entering the season, and I think I just had like just... I don't know. It was very low expectations and I didn't really pay enough, maybe respect to their roster. And they had a great regular season performance. And then to beat the, to boot, they beat the Colorado avalanche reigning cup champions at the time in the playoffs. So I feel like this is a team that you have to take seriously. Now I still don't know how, how much I think they're like a, a serious cup contender, but there's so much to like about this team. When you look at the depth of their offense, the consistency up and down the lineup, no one, they're not relying on one, any one guy to do too much. There's not a lot of ego. They all know their role. There's a lot to like there. I just don't know their ceiling. Are they like, I feel like they're a really high floor, but low ceiling team. You know what I mean? Like they're going to win some games. They'll probably win a playoff round, maybe two, if they get the right matchup. I don't see them winning 50 games. I don't see them winning, getting to the cup finals or even the uh, Western conference finals. I feel like they're high floor, low ceiling. What do you think? I, I don't think their floor is as high as you think it is. I think they could revert back to the team that struggled in their first year post-expansion. So I, I think they really had a good season last year. They surprised a lot of people, like you said. I think they will come down to earth. I don't know. I could be wrong. But they have a lot of good players, and they seem to play a team game, complete opposite of the Vancouver Canucks, where there is a lot of character in this locker room. There's a lot of guys who do the right thing at the right time and don't play selfish and just go out there and play the game, a team game. Tanifs, you got Gords, you got Bjorkstrands, you got McCanns. Those guys play a team game, right? And then in Vancouver, to contrast that, it's it's more of a selfish game. Quinn Hughes of the world, guys who just go out there and try to pick up cookies. And it's like, you're not going to win games. You're going to get a lot of points, but then you're going to lose a lot of games. So 
I like the Seattle Kraken, but I don't think they're going to replicate what they did last year. Last year was a very special year for them, especially Vince Dunn. I think he established himself as one of the premier defensemen in this league. He got paid for it. He put up big numbers. He got 64 points in 81 games, a really breakout year for him. I think he will build on that and be that guy for the Seattle Kraken. He's still young. He's 26 years old. So I like, I like what he did, but I don't think they're in the conversation, Tim. I think you still look at the Pacific division. It's Vegas, it's Edmonton, and it's potentially LA. And Seattle might be in the fourth seed. It might not. I, I don't think they have a very high ceiling. I think last year they surprised a lot of people, but I could be wrong. All right, let's get to our predictions. You're changing your predictions as we speak? Yes, I am. Just one What flip. happened? One Did flip. I just talk you out of Seattle being that high? Did no, I no, sway no, you did. that much? They didn't move. They didn't move. Tim's very um, um, convincible. Right, Tim? I'm adaptable. I'm adaptable. It's, it's, it's a virtue. It I is. I, I, I'm, I'm being all positive. I talked to one of my friends last night, and he's like, you're, you're being pretty hard on Tim. <laughs> so I'm trying to be nice because I was going to say you didn't have a backbone, but I'm trying to be nice and saying you're adaptable, right? We can look at things yeah. glass, glass half full. Well, let's just say what you mean to say. Let's say what you mean to say, and I'll say what I mean to say. Whatever that means, I don't know. But let's get to it. Let's get to our predictions. You're very, very aware of our predictions. So let's go first. Who do you think is going to win the division, Tim? Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton. I think the Vegas Golden Knights will win the division. I think they're going to repeat. I think they have the best team. I think I mentioned that Edmonton has more question marks than the Knights do. All right. So you think Knights will be second? I think Knights will be third. Um, oh, my goodness. Who's second LA, for you? LA finishes second. I think Vegas is still going to be very good. And they're probably the team that I would probably bet money on the playoffs. But for the regular season, just it's just tough to do that twice in a row. After a short summer, a lot of games you played. So I have Edmonton, LA, then Vegas in the top three. Wow. See, I have exactly what they finished last year. I have the Knights, I have the Oilers, and I have the Kings. I think that's going to be the the standings. They're all good teams. I think the Knights take advantage of this division. They beat up on the Ducks, the Sharks, the Canucks, the Flames pretty easily, whereas other teams like the Oilers and the Kings seem to struggle with those teams sometimes. I think the Knights definitely take advantage of playing those teams. All right, so we have our top three, the same three teams, different order. Who do you got fourth, Tim? Seattle. Yeah, me too. This is the top heavy division where those four teams definitely stand out heads and shoulders above the the flames that Canucks, the Sharks and the Ducks. I think the bottom four are pretty apparent. They're bad teams. The flames might surprise some people, but I don't think they will. We rounded out the top four. Who do you have in fifth? Tim? Vancouver is my next one up. And I think they're going to just win some games just relying off 115 points from Pedersen and 80 points from Quinn Hughes. Yeah, I could see that. I have the Flames coming in fifth. I have the Vancouver Canucks coming in sixth. So the, those two teams could be interchangeable for me. It's just basically who gets out to a better start. How quick does the sale start for those two teams? How quick does the dif- dysfunction set in in that locker room? Who's the first guy to really come out in the press and say, we stink? I JT Miller likes to do it early. But I got the Flames and the Canucks. You got the Canucks and the Flames. So we got the two California teams on the bottom. Who do you think is coming in last? I have Calgary seventh and the Sharks. Or sorry, Anaheim sixth, Calgary seventh, Sharks eighth. Oh, so you have the Flames all the way down in seventh. See, I got the Ducks seventh. I think the Sharks will be last place team in the whole NHL. They're going to win the lottery. They'll get the first overall pick. That's what I think. And that's what will be good for the San Jose Sharks. They can get some good, positive stuff happening in San Jose. All right. Quick hits, Tim. You're, you're happy. You got a new captain in Boston. Yeah, Brad Marsha. And it's a little bit of a missed opportunity because they had like a whole like fashion show last week where they revealed the new jerseys and the players were all on the runway. And it would have been great to have Marshawn come out with a C on. I don't know why they didn't do it that way, but um, he's a captain. Good for him. I probably would have picked McAvoy, but I'm still happy for him and I'm fine with that pick. So, yeah, I think it's the obvious pick. He's the best player on the team. Well, I guess Pasta's there too, but anyways, I don't really care. All right. What's going on in Toronto? What a trivialing Sable Matt Murray. Quick thing, he's going to under he's going to undergo a significant surgery. No details yet, but he's going to miss the whole year. And Jake Muzzin will also not play this year, which we kind of knew, but now it's confirmed. What he didn't say is it's cosmetic, so it has nothing to do with his knee or body. It's it's strictly cosmetic. He wants a nose job. He wants to get a little tummy tuck, but elective. he is going to be out for a significant amount of yeah. So it's, it's elective, yeah. but it is a surgery. So moving on, big big rumblings in Tampa Bay. Tim, what's this going on down south? 
Yeah, this is strange. And so Stevens Danko spoke in the media the other day about a contract extension or lack thereof. And he said, quote, to be honest, I've been disappointed in the lack of talk in that regard. So it was something that I expressed at the end last year that I wanted to get something done before training camp. He was asked if it's okay to discuss during the season. He said, I'm ready for whenever. So I guess that was something that I didn't see coming, but it is what it is, which is always, that's another thing that means a lot. It is what it is. When they say that, it's not good. Like I stated at the end of last year too, I would love to extend and play here and finish my career here, but that's out of my hands. I can't write a contract for myself. Oof. Not good. Not what did good. Julian Breezebois say in response to GM? What did he say? Yeah, the next day he was asked about it. And this is where it gets strange. And he has a whole long statement where he, he praised Steven Stamkos, how important he is, and that he wants to sign him, blah, blah, blah. He wants to finish his career. But then he said, quote, I need to see how this season plays out before I make those decisions. After the season, once I've gathered that information, I can work with Steven and his agent on a contract structure that will be in the best interest of both sides. This Fantastic. Is- that's a strange way to talk about your captain that has 84 points last year and two cups in the last four seasons. No. Oh, I agree. I, I think it's a very strange thing to say, but it's exactly what you should say as a GM. It's your responsibility to have your team's interests in mind. Who cares what Stamkos wants? Who cares? You make a lot of money. You've made a lot of money in your career. Last time I checked, we have paid you $99,551,829. Yeah. Suck it up. My feelings are hurt because I've only made $100 million and I don't have another $64 million in the wings. I get it. You want to stay here. My job is, is to not make you feel good. My job is to make this team a contender every single year. And the last time I checked, we didn't do that well last year. We didn't make the Stanley Cup finals. We didn't win anything. You're 33 years old. You've had some major injuries in your career. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. I have a lot of guys tied up for a long time. I got Point. I got Sorelli. I got Paul. I got Kucherov, Sergachev, Chernak. All of these guys are locked up long term, not to mention my $10 million goaltender. Maybe I need to pivot. Maybe I need to go a different direction. I'm sorry. But I love what Julian Breezebois says. I think I think it's spot on what a GM should say. We'll see how it goes. Well, it's tough because they already have $80 million committed next year. And um, between they have 41 on the offense, 23 and a half on the defense, and you have your $10 million goalie. And it's tough because you just signed Hagel to a $6 million extension, which eats into a lot of that. And yeah. so does that... Does the timing of that, like, does that hurt his feelings? And not that he doesn't like Hagel and wants him to be there, but doesn't Damkos think like, hey, why am I not being signed or talked about first? Because Hagel's still under contract for this year. His extension's not till next year. So they didn't have to do it first. Why wouldn't they focus on Stamkos first? Well, I think he, like, Stamkos laid his cards on the table. He wants to be in Tampa Bay. And I think you get a Brandon Hagel. He's going to be a UFA next year. And I think the priority is you gave up two first rounders for this guy. And last year, he had a career. He had 30 goals. I expect him to get 30 plus this year. And for a guy who's 25 years old, who does what Hagel does, goes into the corners, gets his nose dirty, puts up a lot of hits, for him to get 35 plus goals and to be that player, you think that's a six, six and a half million dollar guy? No, it's an eight million dollar guy. So I think Breezebot, don't roll your eyes at me, Tim. Don't you dare. Who would you rather have, Hurdle or Hagel? Hurdle or Hagel? Hagel uh, at 6.5 or Hurdle at 8.135? Hagel. Yeah. Yeah. So take back the angle. I don't need it. What are the chances that the Stamkos doesn't get done and he's not a lightning player next year? Zero. I think Stamkos put his cards on the table. He wants to be in Tampa Bay. Breezeball's like, perfect. Let's do it in the offseason. Okay. Yeah. Just They're going to have to figure that calf stuff out, but yeah. That's why they're waiting. See how much money we have to spend. I Breezebaugh nailed it. I'm sick of these players. Just like, just keep your mouth shut. Camp is about to start. It starts today. I've been disappointed with the lack of talk in that regard. Yeah, I'm disappointed too. I don't have $99 million in my bank. I don't have two Stanley Cup rings. Man, be grateful for what you have. People are nuts. Play the game. You're getting $8.5 million bucks this year. Anything else, Tim? Uh, no, no, I think we did it. Would you, here's, let me pose you this question. If you're the captain of the franchise, 
you're coming off a down season and someone asks you that question, what do you think is the best answer for the team? The loaded question, the way that you frame that, but the best answer is to get back to being a cup contender and focusing on the coming season. And I've got a contract already. That's my priority, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. I think some of his, con- you know, his, his comments were okay. He's like, I like, I want to stay here. I don't think you need to say stuff like I can't write a contract for myself. I don't think those things are positive. They don't help anybody. I'm ready whenever he wants to talk. Well, what, what good does that do? Breezeball doesn't seem like the guy you can like challenge. I don't know, whatever. He'll, he'll resign. Everything will be fine. Tampa Bay will be a juggernaut. But just like, I don't know. Eagles are real. Humble yourself, man. It's a good thing. All right. That's it. I think we had a good show. I think we had a good week. We've done all the standings. And now we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Training camp starts today for a lot of teams. And we're going to get to some games, Tim. It's going to be fantastic. I'm very excited. I'm going to be going to Chicago. They just released it. I'm in. First game on TV. I'm going October 14th, Montreal Canadiens. I'm going to leave your leave your bum in the dust, Tim. You're gone. I'm on TV now. I'm just going to meet you there. It's okay. I know John. <laughs> I know John. Uh, I'll let you in. I, I, I won't ever quit you, Tim. All right, everybody. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.